and he wanted to get rid of me, but God had other plans, and that was all initiated, I believe, not by the, only by the will of God, but because of people praying. And I want to put a fire in you. If you want to get a fire about anything concerning missions, it starts with prayer. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I'm uh, just honored to be here. Uh, it's been a great evening so far. Wonderful music, great fellowship. I've get, gotten to meet some of you firsthand, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next few days of, of uh, getting to meet uh, more of you. And uh, thank you so much for the comfortable accommodations and the opportunity to come down uh, and to fly down here. What a, what a blessing, blessing it is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to find in, in the Bible this evening Acts chapter 13. And Acts chapter 13, if you would look uh, near the beginning of the chapter. But uh, let me just say uh, that uh, by way of a bit of introduction, the Lord allowed us to serve, as Pastor mentioned, 32 years we served in the Arctic, the Canadian Arctic. I don't know if you've ever heard of the communities called Inuvik, Aklavik, and Taktoyaktak. But that's where the Lord had us serve, right? Pretty much Taktoyaktak is on the coast of the Arctic Ocean. Matter of fact, if I were a bit younger, I probably could have thrown a rock from the steps of the church into the Arctic Ocean. And uh, we worked with a couple different people groups, indigenous people groups there. Uh, one, Gwich'in, this people group are a First Nations people group, sort of a, 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 a people group that are hardy. Uh, they uh, have lived in the, in the Arctic for centuries. And the other is a people group called Inuvialuit. Now that's a subculture of the Inuit. Um, back years ago, it's sort of not a, a politically correct statement, but that would be Eskimo people. They, they much rather be referred to in common times as their exact people group, not only Inuit, but uh, Inuvialuit. And so these two people groups, uh, the areas that I worked, it was right on their cultural boundaries from centuries past, and uh, we were able to serve the Lord there. The main uh, ministry was a place called Inuvik, First Bible Baptist Church of Inuvik, and then as well I reached out uh, and held services in Aklavik. Uh, I don't know if you're into Canadiana history or not, but there's a guy by the name of the Mad Trapper that's buried in Aklavik, and uh, so uh, uh, you have to check that out and Google that and find out who, who the Mad Trapper is. But uh, a Klavik, and then uh, again, as I mentioned, Tuktoyaktuk. And I traveled all through those ministries. Uh, God allowed us to bring, at certain times, other people into those communities. Your, your pastor, uh, Tim Taylor, he, him and his family, that's when we met them. They were in a Klavik. And um, he, was a, he, was a, he was a young man then. Now he's a, a mature man. And uh, uh, we had great times with their family. I appreciate so much uh, Tim's dad uh, taking his family and moving all the way from California clear to the Arctic coast. And, uh, and God had a plan, and now he has uh, sons that are in the ministry, and I'm thankful for that. And so I praise the Lord for their family and uh, our connection with them. But uh, uh, just to kind of wrap this up and, and get into the Word of God, we... We stayed there for all those years, and God allowed us to see the First Bible Baptist Church of Inuvik become an autonomous, self-supporting ministry. They called a pastor, 
Uh, we turn the work over to them. It's a self-supporting. I, I refer to it this way, the umbilical cord of missions were snipped. And no longer did local churches like yours have to support that church. They are self-supporting. They have over 20 missionary projects going on, families that they're supporting uh, now, and uh, it's continuing on. The ministry's expanding, and we praise the Lord for that. What a victory. And this is an indigenous church. This is a, a church that has First Nations, Inuit, and Métis in it. And uh, by, by a large majority, if not 100% uh, of, their, of their congregation. So uh, that allowed us, as I said, to go to Tuktoyuktuk and kind of focus and strengthen the ministry there. And, uh, well, guess what? We all get old. And uh, I'm sorry, I looked at you when I said that. That was a very unkind thing to do. I'm sorry, Pastor. Uh, that's not a good way to get support. If you're, if you're a missionary, don't do that, okay? Uh, uh, but um, we all get older. It's tough. The Arctic is tough. The Arctic is hard. And so we decided that we need to turn it over to a younger couple. And uh, they took over. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to see the ministry go deep into the future. My wife and I then felt as though, what do we do now? We know one thing, and that's working with indigenous folks. Uh, we have grandchildren. Uh, nine, five of our nine grandchildren are partly indigenous themselves. Uh, and so what do we do? And so the Lord laid it on our hearts to go to a place that has a, has a fairly large indigenous population, work with First Nations, Métis, within a major city, in Canada. Now, Whitehorse is not a major city. It is the capital of the Yukon. And I think that if we can see success in taking the gospel and building a church that reaches First Nations people in Whitehorse, maybe we can do the same thing in Toronto. Maybe somebody can do the same thing in the 92,000 people in Winnipeg. They're indigenous souls. Nobody's reaching them. We, take, we send missionaries to go uh, reach the Mennonites in countries. We send missionaries to go and have uh, 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 reach Spanish-speaking uh, people in an area. Uh, we send people and missionaries to carry the, uh, the, the Word of God to the jails. Well, why shouldn't we send missionaries to take the Word of God to the First Nations and indigenous souls within our own country? That's what I'd like to be able to see happen, success, and we'll tell you more about that as time goes on. But as the theme, so little time, so little time tonight do I have to, uh, to, to get into the Word of God. But I'm going to give you what I have. And so you just come along with me as we look into the Word of God and uh, see what uh, uh, the, word, the Word's going to tell us tonight uh, and about missionaries and prayer. Missionaries and prayer. Follow along as I uh, read the Scriptures to you uh, from Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1. The Bible says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene and Menin, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed they sent, uh, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain uh, sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was 
with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Almaeus, a sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Let's speak to you about missionaries and prayer. Let me preface the, uh, uh, the, the preaching by giving you a story of the very first year that I was in the Arctic. We went there in 1989, arrived in June. September rolled around and they began to talk to me about let's go out ice fishing. Now, they called it jiggling there. That was their terminology for that. And they would go out into the Arctic night and on the frozen rivers and they would go to a particular spot, chip a hole in the ice, and they would take a, a stick and a string and a very simple uh, hook made out of bone sometime with a nail in it or maybe it was a, a, like a, a metal and, and, and they would jiggle. They would jiggle it up and down, jig it up and down. And that was a big deal, and I was excited about that. I'm sort of an outdoorsman. I couldn't wait to go. And so we headed out into the Arctic night, and there was about four or five skidoos. Those are snowmobiles. Everything in the north is a skidoo, whether it's a Yamaha or whether it's a skidoo or an uh, Arctic cat, it's a skidoo. And we headed out to go fishing. And I had the smallest, cheapest, slowest model there was. That's all I could afford. And they said, last guy in line falls through. Ha, 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 ha. So little did I know that was almost prophetic. And so they all took off and I was following their trail. And about a half an hour later, my skidoo broke through the ice and the front ski broke through the ice. And I still don't know exactly how it happened or what happened, but somehow I was riding on one knee and I was able to launch myself off of the skidoo, grab a branch. One foot went right through the ice into the water. The second foot, it, the ice held and the branch, and my foot, and I launched, and I was able to pull myself out of the, the, the river, and I'm sitting there, and the skidoo, the momentum had carried it across that hole, and it was sitting there in front of the hole, just sitting there idling away and putting. Steam all over the place because of the hot, and I'm, I, now what do I do? And so, uh, anyways, after a long time of of uh, moving it away from the, the hole, I would take a, uh, a, a, a rod that I found, a, a piece of wood, and I'd hit the throttle, and it would putt just a few inches, and I hit it again, it would putt a few inches, and I wanted to get away from that gaping hole that was, you know, in, in the ice. And after a long discussion with myself, I jumped on the snowmobile and took off. So what do, what, why do you tell that story? Because I'm talking about missionaries and prayer. It wouldn't have mattered if I would have had a wad of money in my pocket that big. That wouldn't have helped me one bit when I was in the Arctic. But what did help me, and what I believe saved my life, and kept me then able to stay on the field for 32 more years in the Arctic, are people, the prayers of people just like yourself, that when I was on deputation, they'd shake my hand and say, we'll pray for you. They took my prayer card and said, we'll pray for you. And I honestly believe Satan wanted to take care of and kill this guy that he at least figured might have a chance of being in the Arctic a little while. And he wanted to get rid of me, but God had other plans. And that was all initiated, I believe, not by the, only by the will of God, but because of people praying. And I want to put a fire in you. If you want to get a fire about anything concerning missions, it starts with prayer. Uh, and, and, and I hope that I can instill 
some things. Now, what do we pray about? There was a wonderful graphic on your uh, website, and it was on, uh, on some of the social media, things that you'll pray for. I don't want to detract from that one bit. I want to add to it. And I want us to look here in Scripture and see some of the things that went on in first century missions that will go on everywhere there is a true Bible-believing missionary doing the work of God. And these are things that you can pray for. Along with their prayer letters, which by the way, because of the culture and the day that we live in, are getting more and more uh, generic and less and less specific because they go online and, 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 and it's difficult for a missionary to put names out there to pray for like it was back in the day. So I'm saying that we need your help. We need you to look at those prayer letters and we need you to uh, read them with purpose and say, what's this guy trying to say? What's he saying behind the lines? What is it that it's, it's kind of a, 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 he doesn't want to say because it might be out there in the public? Take that information, that passion, and look in, and see what the Word of God says, coupled with those things. Maybe you could have the greatest prayer life this year concerning missions that you've ever had. What do we pray for? Well, one of the first things, verse number four, there's a verse there that I think is very important. The Bible says so, or there's a word there, excuse me, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. You need to pray for a missionary's departure. Now, it's an exciting thing when you get to leave. It's an exciting thing. You've been working on it. Some missionaries raised support for four years. And they've quit their jobs and they're excited and they're focused and they've been zeroed on on the idea of getting to their mission field for three and four years. And finally that day comes when they're going to leave. And they're excited, but it's a bittersweet time, let me tell you that. What if tonight was the very last service that you would ever be in Grace Baptist Church? What if tonight was the last time you'd hear your, your pastor, uh, well, you're not hearing him preach tonight, but what if it was the last time you would, you'd, you'd, you'd shake his hand? Last time in your youth group. Last time for your ladies' fellowship. Last time for grandma to sit with grandbabies. Woo, it's getting real when you talk like that. That's a difficult thing. And they're excited about it. And they'll put in that newsletter, would you pray for us? We're excited. We're going to be going to Australia in April. Praise the Lord, but let me tell you what, that's going to be a tough day. I've been there, I've done that. Pastor Tim's nodding his head. The difficult thing. You see that prayer letter, you can pray for their departure. And then the Bible says this in verse number 5, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Pray for their preaching. Pray for their preaching. You know, it's difficult enough to handle the doctrines of the Bible and the intricacies of the Word of God in your heart language. But when you have to learn a different language and say things that are very, uh, that must be said correctly in a different language, it's very hard. I know a missionary that is in Greenland. And before he got to Greenland, he had to go to Greenland through Iceland. And so he had to learn. Icelandic for the time that he was uh, sojourning in Iceland. And when he got to Iceland, and then the doors opened, and he got to Greenland, the national language is Danish, but he wanted to reach native Greenlanders, and so there was a Greenlandic language. Icelandic, 
Danish, Greenlandic. And he would get up and he would write a sermon in English. And because there was no real way to take it directly to Greenlandic, oftentimes he would write it out then in Danish, and then from Danish they could translate it to Greenlandic. For a long time he would get up and he would preach two messages, one in Danish and one in Greenlandic, because he had those two people groups in his church. And now he just preaches one, he's so fluent, he just stands up there and he'll say something in, in Danish and Greenlandic and back and forth. That's a difficult thing, can you imagine? I'm going to, I am at a place in Inuvik, Eklavik, Kentucky, we're always English-speaking places. And Whitehorse now is an English-speaking place. The, the, English is the first language. Many people do know their, their heart language, their their indigenous language, but uh, mostly it's English. But even that, you have to get the uh, idiosyncrasies down. You, you've got to make sure you don't say things like, my wife's under the weather. Um, I can remember, I was always a hunter, I was always a fisherman, and so the opportunity when I got north, I thought, hey, I can use that basis to reach out to my men. And so I came up with this illustration while I was preaching that I was going deer hunting, And so I laid it out and I described the deer hunting experience. I said, we went out into the woods. Now, if you're following me, you just thought of something. There's no woods or trees up there. And so I'm trying to give them a picture of a bunch of trees. And so I went out into the woods and I climbed up in a tree and put a tree stand in the tree and I waited there for to ambush the animal when it came by. Now that makes sense to me. If you've ever watched a hunting show, that makes sense to you. But these guys had no idea what it would be like in a deep, dense woods. The trees that they knew of stood about this tall and were about that big around and 75, 80 years old. And instead of me waiting all day to see one deer, they see 10,000 caribou on a migration at a time. The picture I had in my head was majestic. It was a North American hunter. And the picture they had was this crazy guy in the top of a five-foot tree swaying back and forth with 10,000 caribou in front of him and he can't pull the trigger on one of them? Pray for their preaching. We think we know what we're doing here. Can you imagine what it's like in a different culture, in a different place? Different illustrations even matter. Pray for their preaching. The Bible says in, uh, in verse number 5 as well, the last phrase is there uh, in this, that Scripture says as they preached the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they also had John to their minister. Uh, we, we don't have time to go back, but you remember the story of John Mark. John Mark was with them at the beginning of the, of the, of the missionary journeys. And when the second missionary journey came around, Barnabas said, well, let's go round up John Mark and he's going to come with us. But something happened during that first missionary journey. John Mark quit and went back home. And Paul said, oh no, he's not coming with us. For whatever reason, Paul felt that that was a a bad thing, that somehow John Mark had had failed and he didn't want to bring dead wood along with him. And the Bible speaks of the contention being so sharp between Barnabas 
and, and, and Paul that they split their ways and Paul and Silas became a team and Barnabas went with John Mark. Here they says they had John to their minister. Can I encourage you to pray for their partners? Pray for their partners, the people in ministry with them. You see, anytime you get two human beings together, it always works out perfect, doesn't it? I mean, your job situation, when a new employer comes to your job, it's always wonderful and there's never a problem, correct? Then you're smiling and you're saying, yeah, right. You know as well as I do when people get together that there can be problems. And when there are two leaders get together, two men driven to honor God, they get together sometimes, there's differences of opinion. And you can look at that newsletter and you can say, we're, you can read it, and that newsletter says, we're so excited to have brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so uh, come alongside and help us. And you can be excited for them. But you can look at that letter and say, oh, please, Lord. Please don't let this go bad. Please let the spirit of cooperation and unity be uh, a part of this, uh, this team serving now. Because you know as well as I do, things can go sideways and have difficulties very quick. Let me move on and just encourage you to look at uh, verse number 7. Well, verse number 6, uh, first of all, introduces us to uh, 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 Bar-Jesus, who's a false prophet. That's a problem. Verse number 8 Elmaeus' sorcerer, that's a problem. He was uh, resisting uh, someone that wanted to come to Christ. And so let's pray for their problems. All the difficulties that come on to the mission field. And let me just say this, in our prayer letters, we really can't enumerate our problems correctly because then we're considered whiners. And so you know what we do? We hold back. We'll hold back on some of the real heartaches that are out there. And we won't give you the raw truth. We'll say, we're having some financial struggles. You can look at that and you can say, wow, they must really be having a difficulty. I need to take that to the Lord in prayer. We're having a few health issues. You can take that and say, it's got to be way worse than what they're declaring. They might say, we're having some zoning issues. Now you probably understand zoning issues here in Surrey and the greater Vancouver area than, uh, th than most people. But those zoning issues matter in little Arctic communities. They, they matter in rural areas somebody says we, we can't get the zoning we're going to have a meeting to get the zoning changed so we can have our church services held in our home that's a big deal there's not a lot of godly people on city councils and city government that want the gospel to be advanced and the only way to combat that is prayers of the saints who read those prayer letters and break through the stronghold that Satan has in most governments. And victories come so you can pray for their problems. You know one thing that they didn't tell me anything about way back when? 
What do you do as a missionary when your parents get old? Have a father that's 92 and a mother that's 88. My mom went through COVID this past year. Thank God she made it. My dad had a heart attack this past year. Some of the hardest days of my ministry have been when I've been in the north, can't get out of the country because of COVID, and my dad's in the hospital at 92 with a heart attack. Could you pray for the problems that missionaries put out there? Again, we don't detail them. We're called whiners. Would you just please read in between? We, we are missionaries. We're not journalists. And we're limited on what we can say. And I'm not complaining. That's just the way life is. But you know better. You can read those letters and you can pray. I wonder what he means here. Our daughter's going off to college. Our son is getting married. Well, those are wonderful things, but do you know when my son left our ministry and went to college, I lost the best man in my church. Oh, there were other men in the church, but my son was my... He understood everything about my ministry, and, and he was my best worker. He was my, 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 my most faithful man. And he was gone. For a good reason, but it put a hole in my heart. Could you pray for the problems that missionaries face. Growing children. Safety on the mission field. I rode the ice roads for, for, for decades. Ice roads. Driving my vehicle on the ice roads. Matter of fact, I have a website called icerodpreacher.ca Used to drive around those. I had my son-in-law. He wasn't my son-in-law, but we were in the vehicle together. He, he he wasn't my son-in-law. He rolled me and him in the pickup truck. And he's, then later on, he asked to marry my daughter. And I said, yes. I, you know. They're, by the way, missionaries in Rankin Inlet, Nunavut, the eastern Arctic. I've been there for over a decade now, serving the Lord faithfully, starting a church called the Kangiklinik Baptist Church in Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. Dangers difficulties in the states our sending church in the states i've outlasted three pastors that's a struggle but you can pray for those missionaries especially the the 30-year veterans because oftentimes their churches go through major changes you can read those prayer letters and you can pray for those things but one of the real things you need to pray for and i'll be i'll be done with this is let's pray for their prospects. Verse number 7 says that this uh, 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 false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the Word of God. Prospects. People that have a bit of an interest in the Word of God. Missionary might write his prayer letter and say, would you pray for so-and-so? I had a good visit with this individual. And he probably can't put his name in the newsletter anymore. And if he did, you probably couldn't pronounce the name. But we have a prospect. We had a visitor. We had a first-time visitor. Could you bring that before the Lord? That God would bring that individual back, soften that individual's heart? that they would truly be receptive of the Word of God, that the Spirit of God would draw them to a place of repentance and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ.
pray for their prospects. You know, <coughs> excuse me, every, every Christian needs to have prospects. People that they pray for. People that they, they, they try to invite and, and bring to church. Missionaries have prospects. Pastors have prospects. Let's pray that the Word of God would be powerful and strong in their lives and that they would come to church. Missionaries have preached to just their families before. Missionaries have preached to a handful, five or ten. Prospects are precious. Could you pray that they would come to hear the Word of God? I know a know missionary tonight in Siberia, Russia. Wow. Yes, you heard me say that right. Siberia, Russia. And he's reaching the community one by one, winning their confidence, inviting them to come to the, come to the services, hear the Word of God. Soul winning. No missionary, as I said, in Greenland. No missionary that went to Norway. No missionaries that are in the inner tribe reservations in Native American reservations in the U.S. Gang culture. I know another missionary that's heading to Central America. He has an in with the MS-13 gang. Somehow in the military, he got an inroad to the MS-13 gang, totally trusted, and he's going back to reach them. Those are some tough prospects. How is he ever going to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ? Prayer and the power of God, great and wonderful and mighty things can happen. There is an equity between a church and a missionary. Our fruit goes to your account. We're a team, an extension of the local church. And when you pray and then you invest, it matters, first of all, honor and glory to God. The missionary is successful. He pleases God. And you as well add fruit to the account here in Grace Baptist Church. Hope and pray that as the Lord speaks to your heart this week, that prayer will become a priority. That you'll be passionate about it. You'll burn with prayer. You can't wait to see the prayer letters so that you can pray. Let's have a word of prayer together and I'll turn the service back over. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.